Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. This is going to be a really good conversation because we've got a, a like-minded spirit, our guest. A new is, friend. And a, like, and, a, and, a, and a kindred spirit. We're welcoming Andrea Pollack to the show today. Andrea, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. All of her information and bios in the show notes, as always, let's dive in. Andrea, tell us a little bit about how you started doing what you're doing. Give us the backstory. Okay, so my son was diagnosed as autistic at two. He's now 24, so that gives you a sense of how long ago that was. Yep. At the yep. time, I was a practicing attorney, and I did that for a couple of years in the, you know, the early days of his diagnosis, but I was having trouble finding an environment in which he could thrive. Mm-hmm. We had therapies. We had helped with other parents to start a school that was great school, just was not a good environment for him. I did that. So, <laughs> yeah. So I ultimately um, decided to leave the career and homeschool him, which I had no idea what I was doing, but I decided that somebody had to figure it out and that somebody had to be me. Mm -hmm. So I did that for eight years. And at that point, he was ready to go back into a school environment. And I thought it would be really a crime for me to take what I had learned and go back to practicing law. I knew that I had really... Um, spent so much time gathering information. It, it's not about the information. It's more about the experimentation, the tr- the trying and failing, the failing forward. And then I knew I could help other parents get to where I had gotten to much more quickly. Mm-hmm. Boy, that uh, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. <laughs> well, And one of the things that I hear in what you're saying, I love this quote, I wrote it down. Somebody had to figure it out and it had to be me. I think a lot of parents spend their energy trying to find somebody else to figure it out. And they aren't really clear on what, what is their role in this whole thing? And, and talk about that moment where you realized, okay, like I'm uniquely equipped is the energy that I'm hearing from you to support this. So talk a little bit about that. Sure. Well, for starters, you know, one of the things, and I think it's done with good intentions, but I do think the system is set up to, um, really disempower parents in a way. I remember being told, you just be the parent. Yeah, right. Just be the parent. (laughs) Wait, wait, what? And so that was a moment actually that I can identify as being alarming, right? Um, And I also could see that, you know, an educational approach, a therapeutic approach to him was interesting, but I had the whole package. I knew my child. I knew him in and out. I knew him best. Um, yeah. And without that knowledge, the rest of it was not, um, it just wasn't working. So that's why I figured out, well, I think it has to be me. 
You know, it's really interesting because I, I love hearing you say this. I remember when I was in this phase when my kids, this is in the first 10 years, very similar situation that, that you're referencing. And I remember somebody giving me research that basically said the parent's role doesn't matter. And I remember going, let you know, in terms of long-term something, and maybe that's true for neurotypical kids. I have no idea. I didn't have any neurotypical kids. I believe and I know for sure that, that when it comes to neurodiverse, neurospicy kids, the parents' role matters a lot. And it took, there was a lot of messaging I got that, that as you're saying, that was like, it doesn't matter what you do. What matters is X, Y, Z, all external. When you're the one there all the time. Or the other side of it, which is like, and it's all your fault if the kid's not doing well, right? Yes. Yes. And yeah, I mean, there's like parents, uh, when professionals are like, oh, those parents are lazy. They don't do the things. And I thought, I don't, I have not met a parent of a neurodivergent who's lazy. It's not possible, I don't think. The flip side of it also, that is something that I... I mean, I'm, I really aim to change that messaging someday. But the other piece is that when professionals do give parents help, it's usually to extend their own agenda, right? Yes. They're going to teach. They're going to teach parents how to get, you know, how to sit down on the floor and match baby animals. I'm like, okay, matching baby animals, that's great, but we need to take a bath, right? right. Yeah. We need to. We need to have a meal. We need to, you know, get along with a sibling. So you know, the advice that is often uh, offered is not help in parenting. Right. Because we're trying to deal with what's happening when the water's boiling over and, you know, somebody else is screaming and there's, there's this immediacy that you don't get in the textbooks. Right. Right. And, and also, you know, even, you know, I'm not going to come on any particular therapy. I think a lot of therapies have a lot to offer and you have to find the right fit for you, your family, your child, but sometimes things like, you know, in a therapeutic environment, you might ignore a behavior in the moment so as not to reinforce it. But when your child is in distress, I don't think ignoring it is ever really possible or, you know, recommended. Well, and it's not setting you up for long-term success because ultimately there's something your kid needs to learn to navigate or manage. And it's our job to help them learn to na- navigate it. Right. But so that was just one example of how like a, in a therapeutic environment, something might work and be advisable. Yeah. It just doesn't translate into a parenting situation. Yeah. Which is so, why parent training becomes such a key part of this exactly. journey. Right. So so in your journey, you you left law, you went and you got a, an education degree, right? Or an, That was after the eight years of homeschooling. After eight years of homeschooling. Yep, so, I jumped in, no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then we just, and then at some point through this journey, you also, before the show, we were talking about train, you, you thought education was the path mm-hmm. and then discovered there was something else needed. So will you speak to that a little bit? Sure. So I homeschooled him for eight years and I had, so I got a lot of, you know, boots on the ground experience. And I thought I wanted to help educate other parents about it. So that's why I went back for a degree in education, which has been invaluable. Imagine. Uh, But, you know, when I first started, my model was more of a teaching model. And I realized that it was not just about teaching. There were things parents needed to learn, but there were... Uh, there was a personal growth element where mm-hmm. they changed some habits. They needed to engage in some self-reflection so that without coaching, the education by itself was insufficient. 
So I, I found that the coaching model added to the education um, mm-hmm. brought about a much uh, more dramatic transformation for parents and families. So, so, and this is, as you guys can all hear, this is where we're so clearly in alignment because, and Diane and I were joking earlier, like we started by thinking we're going to start with just with peer coaching and then realize there needed to be an education element. So it's the right. blend of the two that's, that really is the secret sauce is that there is information parents need to know when you have a com- what we call complex kids, mm-hmm. neurodivergent kids, but there's also something that, and I use the word needs to shift about how we're being as a parent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's personal development. There's however we want to language it. Understanding our role. I mean, all right. those, pieces, all those right? pieces. So so from your perspective and your experience in this work that you've been doing, what's that shift that you're really inviting parents to, to step into? Well, I think the biggest shift is around becoming aware of how you were parented Mm -hmm. and understanding that that caused you to develop some habits and that those habits might not be working well. And you know, they're not working well, right? When you yell at your children, you are turning up the heat. You are not resolving a problem, right? And parents know that, but they don't know what to do because the model for them, you know, for centuries has been discipline, discipline, discipline. Um, but the discipline doesn't necessarily teach our children how to make a better choice the next time. It yeah. also may be that we have set the boundaries in the wrong place. So we didn't set our children up for success. And then we feel disappointed when they fail to achieve whatever it is we were hoping that they would achieve. So it's about really understanding um, the, the dynamic between you and your child and reflecting on that. Well, and I think the the other thing I would add in there, and you talked about this earlier when we were talking, is is this experimentation, right? It's just sort of it's not about finding the answer; it's about being in a process of identifying challenges and working on finding solutions to challenges and learning from the mistakes and failing forward and all those things yes. um, that we were talking about earlier. Right. So one of the things that I think is so important in the process of what I help parents with is is really peeling back the process that I'm helping them with so they can do it else, right? So for example, if there is an unhelpful belief that is driving a habit that is not helping them, telling them to change the habit all by (laughs) itself doesn't help, right? So helping them identify the belief that's driving the habit can help them change that belief, which takes care of the habit, right? So the example, using yelling as another example, they don't, they don't know why. And then it turns out the belief might be because they think their child is doing something on purpose. Mm-hmm. So we ask, is that true? What else could be true? And we really look at the situation. If it's not true, your instinct isn't to yell. Yeah, exactly. So and if you understand it differently, mm-hmm. you're going to respond differently. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to risk going a little theoretical here. Sure. So y'all bear with me and pull me back. If I'm, if I go down a <laughs> rabbit hole, Diana. Okay. Okay. But What you're speaking to is something Diane and I talk about a lot and really haven't yet figured out. Often we try to identify what is it about what we're doing with what we call the coach approach that's different from so many of those other parenting paradigms that come out of a therapeutic model. And you're speaking to what we speak to, which is it's about process. Mm -hmm. It's about being in the process of problem solving with parents and inviting them to learn how to be in the process of problem solving with their kids instead of handing them a solution. 
And Very- it's about the self-exploration, which is what you were saying before, Andrea, which is like coaching is about self-awareness and self-exploration so that I can see <laughs> what's going on for me in it and not just look for the next solution. Exactly. Yes. No, I, I agree with that completely. And, you know, it's also, I always talk about allowing parents to become the parents that they want to be. There's yes. no right way to parent, right? So, and I'm not going to impose my views or values. I think there are a lot of ways to do it right. So it's helping you explore who you are and the way you want to do it. But I talk about with parents helping them build their problem solving muscles. Yeah. And one of one of the components that I work with is some some small group coaching because I find that really accelerates the growth because parents hear questions asked by other parents that they didn't think to ask. Yeah. So sometimes they learn from that. Or another interesting phenomenon is it's always easier to solve a problem when it's not happening to you. Oh, yeah. Right. So sometimes I have a parent who can see an answer to another parent's problem so clearly. And if the exact same thing were happening to her, she wouldn't be experiencing that. Right. So it's it's another way for them to build their problem solving muscles by exploring additional um, circumstances to which you can apply the process. Well, and I kind of want to go backwards a little bit because um, we were talking about beliefs and and um, how the beliefs and the stories and everything else ties into it. So let's take a quick break. And then I want to ask you a specific question. Sure. Hi, it's Elaine. And if you like this podcast, you'll love our coach approach. Whether you're a parent looking for support or a professional supporting families, we invite you to download a free guide with 12 key coaching tools at impactparents.com slash gift. You can begin using a coach approach to help kids become more independent or improve all of your conversations at work and at home. That's impactparents.com slash gift. So we were talking earlier about thoughts and actions and the interconnection to it. And you were exploring this idea of the the belief and the pattern and the whole idea of, you know, if if we were parented in a certain way, you know, we're yelling because we think our kid's doing something on purpose. So what we need to do is to create a new belief, a new story. And what I want to kind of explore is the fact that that's not always that easy. It's not just a matter of, I mean, because you were saying that a lot of this has to do with our childhood and how we were parented. And so we're fighting up against us. So I kind of want to even if it's just normalized, the fact that it's not as easy and as simple as just saying, okay, I'm going to create a new story because we've been using the stories we have for many of us, 50, 60 years, or how long over you, however long you've been parenting. Well, okay, and you so- were just talking about that in a, in a group that, that yeah. you were running, right? Yeah, that exactly. This is what, you know, the, the trigger management and, and making up a new story is not the easiest. It's not always readily available or so easy. Right. So it comes up. I agree. Although becoming aware that when you have that disempowering feeling, you mm. interrupt the pattern, right? And you ask, is that true? What else could be true? Like is, you have yeah. a process to question your own self so that you're not dependent on a professional to walk you through this every time. Like that's my goal is to help parents become independent with this process, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that's part of it. But what I also know for sure is that by looking at the story, you have a much better chance of breaking the habit. If you just mm-hmm. try to break the habit by saying this habit yeah. is bad, stop doing it. Right. It's like, it's you know, not how change happens. Right. It isn't right. Like, yeah. And then actually it makes it worse because then you feel shame and you've right. done. The yes. Best. Yeah. So I do believe that fi- giving parents another way to address 
you know, what's undesirable in the situation is helpful. Well, the way I often look at it is it's what's underneath. So I was I was coaching a couple this morning and, you know, all these things were coming up and what became clear is all of this stuff was on the surface. And what was really happening underneath is the kids going away to sleepaway camp for the first time this summer. And so as we got really clear that what was really going on was the mom's anxiety and the dad's anxiety and the kids anxiety, it didn't really matter what was happening on the surface. Now we could look at what was happening underneath. And when you could address that, as you say, you're no longer coming in from a place of shame or judgment or anything else. It's like, oh, I understand that. I can have compassion for that. Now we can address that. Right. And there's another way out. Yes. Because and you're not just okay. calm down. Like, Right. <laughs> That's going to work, right? Because anybody yeah. in the world has ever calmed down by saying, calm down. Exactly. <laughs> what were you going to say, Diane? Oh, no, I was just thinking again about the the avoidance of moving to the strategy, right? It's just sort of, so if you know it's about you and you know it's about what's going on for you underneath it, your tendency to say, okay, what am I going to try out here to help my kid is going to shift and you're going to be focused on more. What am I going to do in here? Which is honestly a place of empowerment. Scary too, though, because it's like us that has to change and not our kids. Right, right. But what I do find is that that's why part the blend is so important because giving parents some early, early wins and the mm-hmm. research actually supports this, right? Right. Yeah. That, um, giving them some strategies to do so they feel empowered, which then enables them to look more deeply inside to keep building on it. Right. So we don't, I don't, you know, it's not that I don't start because the first thing we do talk about is modeling and teaching self-regulation, which yeah. model, the modeling of self-regulation is, you it's know, a challenge. Internal yeah. work. Yeah. Um, but giving them some other, like I said, you know, strategies and, and early wins is very helpful to help them go deeper. Yeah. I'm curious because like, so you're, you're, Kid is 24. You've been dealing with this for over 20 years. 20 years ago, I mean, nowadays we're seeing autism much more frequently diagnosed. 20 years ago, it was still in that realm of ooh and scary and all kinds of stuff. Will you talk a little bit about what the work that you had to do for yourself to, to accept and embrace a complex diagnosis? at that time that was still outside of the, you know, that was still had a lot of stigma around it in those days. What did you have to do? Um, It was a process, right? It wasn't like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm at acceptance, right? Because I experienced this so often early on, everybody was like, okay, by kindergarten, they're going to mainstream, right? Right. (laughs) All the tiger moms, like we're going to get there. Um, And then, you know, and, and the, it's a roller coaster of emotion, right? Because you don't know whether your child's going to be one of those who turns out more like Elon Musk or someone who doesn't learn to, you know, speak with mouth words as they call them. So it is, it's a process of loving and accepting your child exactly as they are, right? And wanting to help them as much as possible and understanding that those two things are not in conflict. That's what I would say is my short answer to that question. So was there something, you know, you were a high achieving professional. Was there something, and we've been talking about doing our own inner work. Was there something you had to come to terms with for yourself that wasn't actually about your child, but that was about you that shifted for you, enabled you 
to make this transition that you did? There were probably a lot of things. The first thing that leaps to my mind in response to that question is, you know, I think parents worry about being judged by the outcomes of the child and letting go of that. And it was interesting because, you know, I was in a high achieving environment where, you know, people were talking about Harvard when their child was, you know, they're picking a kindergarten because it's going to be a better way to get them into Harvard. Um, And, you know, so I would go in and out of the like, oh, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And like, but, but getting sucked up into it. Yes. (laughs) I feel you. Right. Well, so yeah. So just slowly letting go of that and also just embracing the gift. I know I, you know, I, I talk about that um, reluctantly because sometimes parents and I get it, roll their eyes. Like it's a gift, like, Oh, come on, please. And I wrote an article about this in one of the magazines, but I could see parents who were thriving in this, Mm -hmm. like they're autistic children and loving the journey. And I could see others who were in so much pain all the time. And I wanted to be like the ones who were thriving. And yeah, so I had a really, so they were loving and accepting whatever happened and working really hard to try to get the best outcome possible. Yeah. Hmm. I love that. It's interesting. At the same time. Yeah. This whole idea of the conflict came up in the group that I was leading this week. And we were talking specifically, you were talking about Harvard, like education and I come from a family where all my grandparents had advanced degrees. And so when it came to, okay, wait, what if my kids aren't going to go to college? It was this sort of moment of, holy cow, how, and the conversation is, how can I honor my value around education if my kid doesn't go to college? And once you see it as that, it's like this sort of, it's conflict, not because I think they're supposed to, it's because I, I think I'm not honoring my value of education. And so if I can go, okay, wait a second this is about learning and education. How can I honor my value of learning and education, regardless of whether my kids go to college or not? That's where that kind of inner shift can happen because you're focusing on what you want for your kid and not the thing that you think that they need to have happen in their life. Right. Well, also to me, to add on to that, um, it was about realizing that he could have a great life, whatever that was, that I would yeah. be open to yep. helping him have his best life. And yeah. that that didn't have to look like, you know, what my journey looked like. And, you know, we were somewhat narrow minded in that education journey because we were so focused on the prize and he was going to teach me a lot about focusing on the journey. Right. Me too, man. I, I used to call it the achievement elite and the notion that my kid wasn't going to follow in that path. And that was was really hard to get my head around. Recently, my youngest uh, commenced from college and I laughed and, and commended him for managing to be so well-educated despite having to go to school all this time. <laughs> because as you're saying, Diane, that value for education is what I learned to lean into. But but there's that, this is where you go back to process, right, Andrea? It's like, I had to go through the process of figuring out what was really important instead of just following the, the sets, the rules, the structures that the world set out for my kid. Exactly. And now in helping parents, it's not about telling them, oh, that's not important, right? It's about helping them go through the process and figure out what is important for themselves, right? Because exactly. telling them how, what I think it doesn't help them. Exactly. So we need to start wrapping up this conversation. Andrea, tell people how they can find out more about you. Uh, Well, the best place would be to go to my website, which is autismparentsolutions.com. 
Okay, and we'll have that on the in the show notes. Terrific. And if you go to the media page, that's where uh, when you know when this is published, I'll put that up there for people to um, to listen if they like. Great. And uh, there's some other materials there. There's some downloads. There's a free training there uh, that parents really enjoy. So I'd love to have parents participate in that. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So that's the best way to get a hold of me. Super awesome. So we've talked about so many things, Andrea. Is there anything as we close up that you'd like to highlight us back to or something we have missed that we want to make sure we don't forget before we wrap up? I mean, I think it's an overall summary that parents are so important, that parents need, they need the support, they need the help. Sometimes parents are so, sorry about that. Parents are so worried about putting all the resources into things directly for the child and really understanding that supporting yourself and getting the education and support and coaching that you need is for your child. So, you know, not to keep your needs off the list, put them back on the list. And because it, because it is a dynamic, it's a family dynamic. So just, just to really support parents in, you know, knowing that that's, that's a, a good thing to do for themselves and for their child. And for our listeners, we did not put her up to saying that. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much truth in, in what's important about putting ourselves on our list and knowing that what we do for ourselves as parents is actually serving our kids. And, and that's, it's a hard to get our head around and it can make a, a transformational difference in your family dynamics. Absolutely. So to close us off, do you have a fun quote or a motto you'd like to share? You know, there are so many that, that identifying one is really tough for me. Yeah. But I do think that one of the first shifts that I ask parents to consider is uh, to go from believing that their children are misbehaving on purpose to, you know, children do well when they can. The Ross Green concept of it's a, it's a lack of skill. They're not doing it on purpose. They wouldn't choose to behave this way if they had the ability in the moment to make a better choice. Love that. The question we give parents to ask, and you might play with this, is just to simplify it. Is it naughty or neurological? Oh, I love that. Yes. Right? Because it's a really simple way to say, is, are they really misbehaving on purpose? Or is there something else going on that's underneath? Love it. Yeah. It's been beautiful talking to you. Andrea, thank you for being with us and for the work that you're doing in the world. Mom to mom, parent to parent, we can, and coach to coach, we really honor your taking your expertise and bringing it to parents who need it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. To those of you listening, what are you taking away from today? What's the one insight that you want to capture from today Glean and, and move forward with you into your week. What's your gem or your aha? And as we close, thank you for everything that you're doing for yourself and for your kids. At the end of the day, you make the difference. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast.
Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.